Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Universal Dialect Show, the show number 31. Uh, again, another great guest. You know what I'm saying? I saw him on Esoteric Eddie's uh, YouTube channel. Um, Esoteric Eddie, very profound dude, like doing real research. Shout out to Esoteric Eddie. But this dude was dropping some knowledge. Plus, not only that, you know, he comes from the independent hip hop scene, which I adore. Um, uh, I want to introduce to everybody that he's a producer, he's an artist, he's a conspiracy realist, uh, and a paranormal experiencer. I want to introduce Push Buttons. What's up, my man? Yeah, yeah. What up? What up? Peace, peace, man. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. I like that. Conspiracy realist. You know what I mean? Because we're past the point of calling it a theory, man. And uh, these quote unquote theories are quite factual. So um, I like that. Conspiracy realist. Yeah, I mean, uh, I stole it from somebody. <laughs> hey, you know what I, I love mean? it. I love it, man. I love it. <laughs> but it's it it just speaks truth because you know what I mean. After all these years, when you hear conspiracy theory back in the days, nobody believed a lot of the shit. And then after a while, because of the internet and social media, and dudes like Esoteric Eddie dropping knowledge and showing the path of how to get the real, like the truth, you you find out that it's not a conspiracy theory it's conspiracy reality yeah you know? shout out to, shout out to the bro uh that's the dude eddie, yeah. yeah i love that i love eddie eddie's awesome i have him actually for those of you uh march 5th i got him back on the show again oh, word, so, word. Oh. so we'll see what happens man um so listen let's get into the origin story of push yeah. buttons um because i know you have a couple of platforms where it's push buttons beats so mm -hmm. start from the beginning where you were born and all that and and, and then your origin story my man yeah, so uh, my real name's Jesse. I go by uh, Push Button Beats, uh, Push Buttons, basically. And uh, I'm originally from uh, San Diego, California. Shout out, San Diego. Yeah, in a small neck of the woods called San Marcos. And uh, that's actually where uh, Esoteric Eddie's from, too. He's from San Marcos, too. So he's from, he's from around the way. And uh, basically, man, I've just been making music for, for quite some time. I'm 38. I've been in the game 20-plus years. Um, I used to MC under an alias called Mighty Moses, uh, Moses One. So um, back in the day, bro, I used to, you know, shut down shows. I used to perform all over the place, um, did many tours, opened up for a gang of, you know, A-list um, artists and things of that nature. And then, um, you know, kind of reached a ceiling fan um, at a point in my career, because once I realized that like, you know, real skill back in the day really wasn't enough to really take you to where you needed to be career wise. I was like, okay, this is, I need to go back to the drawing board and really figure out what it takes to, to make this happen. So, you know, I kind of just went back into the dungeon, went back into the cave and uh, picked up the old 2000 XL MPC and just started chopping up records. And then from that point forward, um, I just, you know, just, I mean, I've always been producing. The minute I I picked up, um, you know, emceeing and b-boying, because it all started off with b-boying, you know, back in the day. It, just, it always starts it, with the b-boying, bro. It, it, it's like dance is 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 the universal language that kind of really gets traditional hip-hop heads into branching out into doing other things. You know what I mean? So it started off b-boying, you know what I'm saying? And then after that, graffiti. and then And then after that, you know, 
the equipment started to come out a little bit. So, you know, the, 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 tw the 1200s, the techniques, the Mach threes, you know what I'm saying? And then, uh, the Dr. Groove box, one of the old school beat machines from boss came out. It was like a 16 second sampler, a little looper. So, you know, we started fucking with that, you know, doing little loops, chopping up drum breaks and then getting on the decks and cutting up records. And, uh, Shout out to my boy, Rob Craig. He was actually a, a homie that was my age that, you know, was into hip hop. And, and this was like the tape era. So we were, you know, handing off tapes and shit, going to school, just bumping hip hop, just going like, this is all I want to do for the rest of my life, man. Like, fuck a nine to five, fuck trying to be a doctor. Like, I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. Like, mom wants me to go to school. This is school. School of hard knocks, fucking hip hop. You know what I mean? Just fucking wilding. So from that point forward, you know, things evolve. You start making music and you dabble with each element, you know, because there's elements to this shit. So as somebody that is a hip hop enthusiast, I love being able to immerse myself in pretty much all the elements of hip hop, you know, dancing, graph, uh, you know, making music, beats and things like things of that nature. So um, that's what I did. And when I when I was performing and, and doing my music and stuff like that, um, I would dabble with the beats here and there. Not too much, though. And then, you know, I do graffiti every now and again, go paint a train or something like that. Or, you know, dance. I really wouldn't dance anymore because, you know, you start getting older, you get out of shape. You know, I, I ain't one of them gym dudes, you know, out there pushing weight, you know what I mean, all the time. You know, shout out to those dudes getting it in. But, yeah. you know, I'm, I was I was with the goons smoking L's and, you know, just doing foul shit and, you know, just waking up feeling crummy as fuck. So I didn't have time for all that. So, you know, music was was my, my language. So, you know, making music and then the beats came in. And, uh, you know, I just like I said, I, I, I kind of did all this stuff running around, making music, traveling, touring, doing all this stuff. And I was like, all right, man, I'm tired of opening up for people how do i get people to open up for me you know what i mean and that's Word. when i said you know i'm gonna i'm gonna go back to the dojo and realize what it really takes to become a successful artist because a lot of people don't understand that there's a business side of this shit they call it the music business for a reason the music industry and a lot of cats get that misconstrued they think oh well, they're gonna blow up they're gonna put their music on facebook they're gonna tag like 85 people on their friends list they're gonna spam a bunch of people on the Inst instagram inbox it's like bro so I had to figure out, you know, what, what it really took to, to become successful. So while I was, you know, educating myself in that aspect, I just dove straight into the beats, man. And then, you know, people were like, hey, that's a dope beat. Can I get that? How much do you want for that beat? I'm like, really? I'm like, you want to buy this? You know, and this was like years ago. I'm like, I'm like, man, just pull up, bring, bring an 18 pack, bro. And fucking, you know, let's, let's barbecue or something like you can have this beat, just fucking rap to it. You know, and then just people kept asking me, keep how much for a beat, how much for a beat. So, I mean, it went literally from like, you know, 50, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, you know, 500, 1200, 1500. So now, like after, you know, doing my due diligence in, in the production game and being adamant about it for so long, um, I've been self-employed for going on uh, five years now as an independent music producer. Yeah, that's dope, bro. So once Pro I- once Props I, to you. Thank you, man. Salute. So once I once I got into that, I was like, okay, like, do I really need to be rapping and toe tapping and and doing all this shit? You know what I'm saying? And a lot of me, um, a lot of my ego died too. You know what I'm saying? Like being an MC is a very egotistical aspect of hip hop, but it a lot of it is too. I think the producer, 
really isn't that much of a clout chaser. You know, they kind of get forgotten. They kind of, they're on the, the back burner. They, a lot of people don't really, you know, mention the producer and you don't hear producers out there going, yeah, what's up? I'm going to turn this party out. You know what I'm saying? Like a DJ would or dancers out there, you know, stomping around or, you know, writers, you know, catching heavens and just getting real major clout. So like, I think the producer is, is more of a humble route. And as time progressed, you know, I, I just humbled myself from uh, a lot of my prior characteristic traits of, of being a cocky individual, being arrogant, and just being very ugly in the inside. And I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want any part of that anymore. I got you, brother. To me, I, I've always thought this: the producer is the foundation of the hip hop building. You know, you can people can listen to like acapella dudes rhyming all day, no matter how nasty they are, and and that's dope. But you could listen to beats all day more than listening to dudes do acapella without the production. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? I mean, and a lot of MCs wind up becoming producers. So it's crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, and I'll keep it a buck with you, man. Like I haven't checked for new music in a good minute. I remember there was a point in time when I was younger where finding new music was like finding treasure or going out digging for gold or or just finding something that just made you feel so amazing made you feel so alive when you found something that that nobody knew about because it was underground music and then you know they what do you listen to what do you bump it oh man i can't tell you what this is man you ain't you ain't hip to this bro i can't tell you you know so i i haven't really checked for new music in a minute because just like you said music is already a language within itself. So I could listen to beats all fucking day, bro, and just, you know, clean my house, uh, you know, conjure up marketing ideas, um, you know, reflect on things, meditate, put myself at ease, or just get, you know, further inspired on how to, you know, maneuver my music a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Because you never stop being inspired. And if you think you've reached that point, then man, you, you want some other shit. I need to learn from you if that's the case. <laughs> I got you, brother. So so let's dig a little bit deeper because um you're a very fascinating person to me. Thank you, man. And the reason why, and I stated earlier, is because you're part of that the underground scene. But when underground meant something, it doesn't mean anything anymore. So let's go back. How did you get into the culture? Like how and who got you into the culture? And then what was like that scene like? Because you come from San Diego. Okay, cats now don't know about the underground scene back then when you had pockets of dope scenes going on. Just in Cali alone, you had San Jose, San Diego, the fucking Bay Area, you know, of course, L.A., Compton, you know, all, all the way up north and south. And then, you know, of course, you had your Minnesota had their dope fucking scene with Rhyme yeah. Sayers and all them motherfuckers, yeah. you yeah. know, all these different pockets. So let's start from the beginning. How, who got you into the culture? Uh, so... I think I've always had a connection with music. I think music, like I said, it's a universal language and it resonated with me at a very young age. You know, my cousin, um, you know, used to, you know, take me cruising around in his whip and, you know, he he had speakers in the car. So we would be bumping, you know, Tupac, you know, Ice Cube, N.W.A., um, you know, we'd be bumping, um, you know, Wu-Tang, Artifacts, all kinds of shit, you know, just all kinds of music, man. You know, Kurt Cobain, Rage Against the Machine. I mean, we'd be listening to DJ Irene, house music, funky house. Like, I just always immersed myself in music. 
since a young age. And um, I just knew that like the minute I started bumping Tupac, bro, I know it sounds cliche as fuck because everybody kind of uses him as like, you know, a, a, a statue of inspiration. Like, dude, I heard Tupac and I like have never been emotionally like moved in such a way right. by, by an artist or an MC. And then I heard the Beastie Boys and I was like blown away. I was like, whoa, this is fucking wild as fuck. Like, this is crazy. And then, you know, from there, it would be like, uh, you know, Gangstar. Obviously, DJ Premier was a big uh, inspiration. But even the way Guru spoke, and I listened to him at a young age, there was something very captivating about Guru and Tupac that really stood out from a lot of people, you know? So they had they had a lot of conviction. And I think what a lot of people are missing in today's generation is conviction in their music. There's no conviction there. There's no passion. It's everybody is just rapping for the sheer perspective of personifying someone that they really aren't. And, and it's just like, I don't fuck with that because it's not tangible energy to me. You know what I'm saying? So if you're, everybody's rapping about the same recycled bullshit, you know what I'm saying? And back then, granted, you know, gangster rap was a thing. It was starting to gain momentum. It was starting to gain traction. Granted, it was something that was um, kind of oversaturated to, to begin with for a little bit. But like I said, what separated Tupac from everybody else, what separated Guru, what separated Big Pun, what separated Nas, what separated Big L was conviction. And I've always been a very emotional person. I've always been a, a sensitive person. And uh, I just vibrate on that frequency. So that shit really inspired me as a kid, you know? And um, like I said a little bit earlier, no, shout out to my boy, Robert Craig. And uh, I had a couple other homies um, from around the way that were a little older that took me under their wing because I was always the young buck, you know, going up to the older homies like, yo, what are you guys doing? You know, dancing? What the fuck is that? Y'all fucking spinning on your head? Let me try that shit. Put a helmet on and just be fucking spinning out of control. You know what I'm saying? So like I said, it started off with the dancing and all that. And then, uh, you know, just to kind of speed things up, um, you're right. The scene back then when it was underground was the shit because back then people were doing it for clout, but it wasn't for the clout in terms of what we deem clout these days. Like back then clout was like, bro, you're fucking nasty. You're ill. Like you're untouchable, homie. Like you got skill. So back then, like that's what I made music for. Like I used to tear up ciphers. I used to go in ciphers and just fucking murder fools, just annihilate fools and freestyling. So, you know, we would have backyard boogies. We would bring, you know, people from all over the place. You know, we booked Immortal Technique. Um, his first show in California, my buddies and I pulled him out here and, and, and booked his first show. Dope. So, um, you know, you're talking about rhyme stairs. You know, I used to listen to, you know, atmosphere growing up on tape. I used to listen to, you know, idea and abilities. And, um, you know, I used to listen to, you know, anything that really, uh, you know, correlated with that underground scene back then. It was like ADM, you know, and then like some living legend shit, Anticon. So I was into the like the weird, nerdy underground hip hop rap, but I was also into the like the real gangster shit, the horrorcore shit, necro, right. fucking uh, nonfiction, you know? So like I bro, like to me, like I was just a fucking like a sponge growing up in the realm of hip hop and I just loved it all. So in my peak of it, bro, like we would have to go to L.A., to fucking catch wreck because they would always hate on us. They'd be like, oh, SD, you guys are whack as fuck. So we would have to go to LA 
and like you know a couple MCs that were dope as fuck, and we'd go over there and catch wreck, and and you know be at Project Blowed, fucking rap, rapping with good fuck. life. I'm I'm a I'm a good lifer, bro. Certified oh, by shit. AC alone, bro. Yeah, bro. AC, AC, AC alone is alone, so nasty. AC alone, bless me. And and one 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 night we brought him out here, um, and rocked the show. And uh, I, I was just geeking, spazzing, going off on the mic. And he's like, bro, he's like, you're a good lifer. He's like, you're welcome to the good life whenever. That's like, dope. Nasty. So I mean, you know, I've done shit with like Large Pro, Dead Prez, you know, everybody from Project Blowed. Um, just so many names. It's that, that just a lot of people that I've worked with and, and done music with. But like I said, back then, it was all about just having fun. You know what I mean? It was really about enamoring yourself and just the culture, having fun and just like loving hip hop, man, loving the culture. And then like really just like not fucking with anything that was whack back then. Like if you were whack, you didn't get a fucking pass, bro. Right. And, and we called you on your bullshit if you were whack. Right. Nowadays, ain't nobody being called out on their bullshit. You call somebody out, you're a hater. You say something, you a white supremacist. <laughs> you say something, you fucking salty. It's, it's like, bro, come on, man. So I think, you know, back then I was so, you know, focused on catching clout and and, and the real clout back then. Because, you know, when you're getting stripes in the, in the game, in the streets, and you got people, like I said, AC alone, you got people like Large Professor complimenting your work, complimenting your rhyme game, complimenting your, your stage game. You know, that was the clout that we yearned for was clout from our superiors, from our elders, from people that paved the way, from people that inspired us. You know what I'm saying? So to me, that's what, that's what it was all about. Just catching wreck fucking anywhere bro spazzing the fuck out you know what i'm right. saying so what about like locally like where you lived who were some of the groups that were dope that were coming out you know what um I mean? so locally um there was this dude blame one from vista super dope cat um he's about your age so um, um did, did he come out with like a compilation uh he's he's done a lot of work um he uh he's done a lot of stuff with exile um he's got a feature with sean price uh super wow. dope dude super super chill cat uh from vista from around my neck of the woods and then uh epmd from san diego the icons from san diego um icons are dope yeah deep rooted um joe haas um so there was a few cats from back in the day that like you know were older than me that were the guys that people from other states and cities knew about if they were to come to San Diego, right. they, they would link up with them and, and, you know, congregate and then, you know, break bread and do shows and whatnot. So there was, there was a few cats that were out here doing their thing, man. What about, um, cause I know a lot like this in my brain, there's just so many groups in my head, but it's hard for me to separate where they're from. Like some are obviously like souls of mischief and the high road. They're from the Bay area. But what about like groups like formula abstract? Oh, abstract yeah man those the, i uh i've done a lot of gigs with those guys back in the day and yeah. um you know those those were some guys that were doing their thing and they like i said back in the day i was into like real abstract type rap and right. those were some of the dudes that were very eclectic that were doing stuff with orco elohim yeah and, uh, you know they were just real technical and uh you know on that real 
um, just techie side of just, you know, space rap, conspiracy rap. That's fucking, it. <laughs> and just gnarly fucking bugged out shit. So, yeah, those those guys were doing their thing for, for a while. What about like um, Jedi Knights? I know I'm just throwing names out there, but, that, oh, but I think they're Knight? from the area. No, Jedi Knight Circle was from uh, San Jose. San, okay, so see, that's what I'm saying. The San Jose... Yeah. That Nor- NorCal hip hop, it, it kind of yeah. all blends in sometimes, you know? Yeah, so Jedi Knight Circle, Optimus Rhymes, and all yeah. those, those dudes were fucking dope. I would religiously bump those guys' shit like all the time. And then they branched out, they did a group called Lip Service. Yep. And um, they had a uh, a bunch of shit. I think they were from, I think they were from Half Moon Bay or san jose or somewhere along the lines but nah dude those guys uh, me and my buddy lewis shout out to my boy lewis uh, aka eyesore um we would bump those guys fucking religiously like they were sick and we actually even brought them out uh to our neck of the woods to to perform and, and we rocked a big old fucking show and shit like right. that so it was dope. so this group might be a bay area group but i love this group when i first heard them dyslexics dyslexics the uh, dys- dyslexics oh dyslexics nah i can't say i heard of them. um i think uh one of the mcs was uh lazarus, lazarus. and then asian uh, cats n- no they were two white dudes man but they were nasty oh, bro yeah no, yeah yeah i, I mean because there's so many groups bro i could just go forever with names i mean i i, I don't want to do that and, and waste yeah, time yeah, but yeah. <laughs> this is so many but i, I figured like you might have like ran across them or some some oh, sort most, of way, you know? most likely man because uh you know like i said being from san diego we didn't have the type of scene that la had we didn't have the type of scene that you know bay area had so we would like me and my boys we'd head up to la to go to shows we'd go to san francisco to shows we'd go to we just network with people so that was the thing about san diego is is some of the heads that were really into the music we didn't give a fuck, bro, because we were into graffiti. So we'd go link up and paint trains in LA. We'd go paint trains in the Bay. We'd go paint trains everywhere, tag, do whatever, get, you know, crash on a homie's couch, record some verses somewhere. And just, you know, back then it was, it was just such an awesome experience. It was such an amazing time to be alive that like, it was all about the moment back then, you know? And that's kind of what I miss about, the culture of hip hop is that we forgot what it's like to exist in the moment of something that literally changes and saves the lives of millions of people worldwide. Music saved my life. And if I didn't have music as my outlet, bro, I can't promise you I'd be doing good out here. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause I, I believe on, in your interview with esoteric Eddie, you said you had faced some time in jail. Yeah, I did a little time, you know. I mean, I was a I was a little roughneck, you know what I'm saying? I I did Dude, some trust me, man. Things, you know what I'm saying? So it's the way um, it is, man. It, it, but it's all it's all a learning experience, you know what I'm saying? I grew up um raised by a single mother. My mother took care of me and my my younger brother. My dad was never there. So the streets raised me. You know what I'm saying? And my mom, you know, she did her best, you know, shout out to mom Dukes. I love her with all my heart and that's my queen. And and I love her. You know what I'm saying? Word up. She, she did what she could, but at the same time, like, come on, bro, your mom ain't going to tell you to stay inside your house. You're going to, you're going to go do whatever the fuck you want to do. So that's what I did. You know, I went out and, and uh, did what I did, but I was always, uh, you know, I fucked with everybody, bro. You know, I, I was, 
I mean, I guess you could say I was popular, but I didn't like the word popular. Like I didn't like, I didn't like that label, you know, cause to me popular, I was like, man, I associated that with like jocks back then or like, right. you know, dudes that I didn't really want right. you know, to fuck with too much, but I knew them, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like any circle that I went to, I was welcome. Any party that I went to, I was welcome just, you know, from growing up with them or, you know, them, you know, knowing me from, from along the way somewhere, or I used to sell herb to so-and-so or do this, this and that. And so, you know, it's just, you network with people and you build. And I've always been a social person. I've always been a people person. So to me, what I love so much about marketing and, and love about music is the communication aspect of it. And I think a lot of artists are lacking right now in the realm of networking and communication, and they really need to do some research to step that up. But I do have a one-on-one -on -one course. And if you're interested, holler at me at the end of this video. <laughs> no, I'm going to put all your links in just at the end. Just let me know. And then in the I'm, I'm just that, I'm just bullshitting, man. But I, you know, I would. Why I would, not, dude? Make that would, money, would, homie. <laughs> no, I mean, I do got some shit lined up, but you know, it's 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 very meticulous work, and I'm just fine tuning a lot of stuff. <laughs> but um, artist development is something that um I've been doing for many years, and I've been curating a lot of artists um around the way locally, and and people from other countries and states like that. So I have been. Um, you know, dabbling in and working on something that uh, could provide a service for people that are, you know, just barely getting their feet wet and want to jump into music and and not have to do the research and not have to wait as long as it took me to become developed and seasoned. So they're kind of getting a crash course and a shortcut on how to really put things in perspective and get the ball moving. That sounds dope, brother. All right. So let's get into like the music part. Right. So you're a producer now, but you started off as an MC. So you're making money now doing what you love. Yes, sir. But there was a time where you weren't making money. So when you first started rhyming and everything, can you go through step by step like like when you did your demo, when you dropped your first like physical something that you can give to somebody like, yo, check out this CD I made. Like go through your your discography so to speak. Yeah, so um the discography was it it was very uh scattered so to speak because back then um, you know, like I said, we were young kids, so we were recording on tapes and things like that. And then when the CD game came out, you know, we were doing little singles and shit like that here and there. And, you know, I would jump on a couple compilations and stuff like that. And then I put out a project called Due Season um, in 2012. That was like a, a an official drop. And then, um, you know, minor little songs in here. I never really curated um, an immense amount of music. Um, because like I said, I got so sucked into music production that I just gave it all my time. And, um, I started to develop a real, uh, bad habit and a bad tendency of being a perfectionist and being a stickler for my, my own content. So I kind of deprived myself from putting out years worth of material that I sat on because I felt that I was not, you know, up to par with with people that I want that I inspired Dude, to be and things like that. Our artists are their own worst critic, bro. From one artist to another, artists are their own worst critic. And most of my my peeps are artists. Their own worst. They're the illest dudes. Their own worst critics. So they either slapping me like yo, up, <laughs> I'm slapping them because it's like we're our own worst critics. We just don't like our own shit sometimes. Yeah, so that's 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 really what it uh, boiled down to was like you know few like a lot of scattered joints here and there. Official job in 2012, and a lot of shit in the hard drive. You know what I mean? That never saw the light of day. Um, but uh, 
and another thing too that really kind of fucked me up um musically and just creating music is the older I got I always felt like damn am I too old to be rapping like am I gonna really be that dude out there at you know this age trying to make moves or or you know what I'm saying like is this a young man's game now you know what I'm saying and and that's the thing that I hate about hip-hop is that we've created a stigma in the hip-hop community in the hip-hop culture where it's like if you're you know 38 you're 40 you a washed up old head and you shouldn't be rapping anymore but yet you got fucking Ozzy Osbourne literally on a fucking cane and everybody's out there <laughs> sucking his dick yeah, yep yep and like, right next oh. to him is Tony Iommi's right next to him and, like, and I'm like, like <laughs> I'm like what the fuck and then or or if they do there's only some exalted gods in the hip-hop world that are still killing it like Jay-Z so to speak 40 something years old still doing his thing right or Kanye still doing his thing in his 40s or you know the game and people like that so um I think the whole thing about that is is really fucked up but at the end of the day like I said what I learned to do is just kill the ego and uh I think if I do jump back into into making vocalized music man I'm just gonna enjoy it man and not worry about age not worry about performing and doing all this shit because nowadays you can still get a major bag and fucking not leave your house and be one of the illest fucking MCs on the on the charts right so um anything's possible man I mean it's a new year you know I'm, I'm hella inspired so there's there's a possibility I could uh pick the pick the pen and pad up and, and just get busy again why not I mean, it's still in you. I don't think it ever leaves you. You know, nope. it's like riding a bike, and you just got to get back on. Back. Um, so so let's get into like the term underground, right? Because you and I were talking about like underground and what it meant back then. Uh, I remember like this is ninety nine. I was in the military at that time, and when I, you know, underground to me was like dudes like Mystic Journeyman, you know that the ill shit, right? You know, we knew we independent, independent as fuck, right? That's co company flow, independent as fuck. Yes, and then I remember this one dude was like, yo, I listened to this underground rapper. I was like, what's his name? And he, and he said, oh, it's Little Flip, right? Yes. But Little Flip to me, that's not, to me, wasn't underground. Yeah. Like, I, like I got, like, offended. I like, call this motherfucker underground. But in reality, he was underground. Yeah. Because he wasn't, like, on a major deal. He was independent. And so that kind of fucked my head all up. And then I felt like, this is like early 2002. That's when the industry like really like changed and the culture, yeah. like where we didn't pass the torch down to the next generation and they just took over that shit. And I just think it's real fucked up right now. So <laughs> what do you think, man? <laughs> I think, um, you know, just to kind of, uh, you know, tackle what you were talking about, the whole little flip thing being underground. Um, there's so many different pockets and facets of music and genres of music in every city, every community, every county. So somebody in, in their own community could have just been bubbling and catching wreck everywhere for their specific genre of music. It didn't have to be backpack hip hop. It didn't have to be some boom bap shit. It could have just been whatever that demographic of music was in, that style could have been lit. You know what I'm saying? And people were like, yo, this dude's fucking underground. And he ain't signed to a major, but everybody knows him. So he's the shit. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of people um, at, at a certain um, time in, in the timeline of hip hop didn't really listen to the shit we listened to because 
it was fucking hard to find, bro. Like you, and, and, and let's face it. I don't mean to bring race into it, but like a lot of black dudes weren't listening to fucking Anticon. A lot of black dudes weren't listening to fucking, you know, project Bloat. I mean, even though project Bloat's all black. Right. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? Let's, let's call a spade a spade. Like a lot of black cats weren't fucking with that type of music because they were like, yo, that's fucking nerdy backpack rap. That's some whack-ass shit. I don't want to listen to that. So, you know, the music that they were listening to was already stuff that was established on the radio. And then from there started to generate its own genre within their community. So like music from the South or, you know, music from the Bay area, that would be more like Mac Dre and, and some other shit that would be, you know, kind of underground, but like bubbling on some shit where like, yo, everybody knows them. So I think underground, I think the terminology of underground did reign supreme for a little bit of time until it became kind of a, a cliche and like a tacky term, so to speak, to use in the in a conversation with somebody that's into music. It's like, oh, underground hip hop. Like everything was like underground hip hop, underground hip hop. But it's like at that point, underground hip hop, like that bus already left. Right. Then, you know, what started to develop was, you know, the swagger hip hop, the fucking crunk hip hop, the little Johns, the fucking, you know, the dips, all this other shit. Everybody was just all about the fashion, about the swag, about, you know, how they portrayed themselves. And, um, you know, I felt music shift. I think realistically, when music started to, you know, I think once the music industry found a way to pigeonhole music and once they figured out how to polish people polish artists and 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 put it as a product i think the game changed because then it was all about i want to be on tv i want to be on bet i want to be on mtv i want to be on in the basement with with tigger i want to do all this stuff so i think people at that point were now aspiring to become celebrities they weren't aspiring to become the dopest anymore like the underground scene because in the underground scene it was about who's the fucking illest who's the illest rapper you can't wrap circles around who's dropping the illest fucking album right now that you just fucking wake up and listen to daily you know so back then underground was was a real powerful terminology because i don't know anybody that i kicked it with that knew where to find the shit i was listening to right like you had to be in the end to fucking find the shit or you had to, you know, know somebody from overseas that was giving you shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you had to know somebody from Canada that was giving you fucking music from Canada that was popping. Right. And I mean, there's, I mean, I grew up listening to a, a group from Canada called Peanuts and Corn. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, That's McEnroe, McEnroe and all them dudes. Yeah. McEnroe, Honeycutt, fucking John Smith, Pip Skid, Gruff the Druid. So Gruff I mean, the Druid is dope. I Yo, mean, I, he's the first dude that talked that I heard talk about a UFO in his rhyme. So, you know, back then it was like Canada and San Diego. How how did that <laughs> connection happen? You know, and just randomly, like back then it was like digging through LimeWire, digging through Napster, yeah. <laughs> put, putting random shit in the fucking internet. Right. You know, underground hip hop uh, blog was not what it used to be back then because there was an original underground hip hop blog back in the day that was a hub for all the underground shit. 
So that was like a, a website that I used to dig all my music from back then. And there was, you know, Yahoo chats and shit, Yahoo group yeah. chats. I'd be in the Yahoo hip hop group chats, fucking serving nerds and shit, rapping on there, <laughs> getting fucking, you know, typing, typing out bars. And typing shit. bars. Yeah. Like I'd be real fucking nerdy with it back then. So, yeah. you know, like, you know, just back then, like I said, underground hip hop was just, it was a vibe. It was an emotion. And I think, you know, just like you said, it lost its steam, you know, because every, it got to the point where like, everybody really wanted to get a deal bro like at the end of the day like yeah it was cool to be dope and a lot of people that loved being dope stayed dope but they're fucking broke as fuck now and the people that were dope that aspired to be bigger were trying to achieve a record deal or they were trying to get publishing or they were trying to get distribution so i think the objective in retrospect in hindsight was yes everybody wanted to be dope but once they saw their equal making money in that limelight and they knew that that dude didn't have anything different than what the fuck they had. And if they were getting a bag that you could get a bag too, that's when the whole game changed. They were like, fuck that. Like this corny motherfucker over here out here getting a major bag, rapping some gibberish and I could wrap circles around this fucker. All right, I'm going to do that same shit. Right. So once people started chasing the bag, I think that's when music really lost um, its substance, lost its value. And, um, you know, not to say that getting paid for your work is a bad thing, you know, because obviously I get paid to, to do what I love to do. I'm just saying, like, <clears throat> it changes the direction and it changes the, the emotion of music. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't put forth that type of intent and conviction. Now, let's go back to that word conviction the conviction in the music is no longer there when you're rapping for the fucking bag unless you are really in the fucking trenches trying to fucking make it and you are really struggling. You know what I'm saying? Damn, that was beautiful, dude. Bro, you know your shit, man. <laughs> this, this shit is beautiful right now. All right, so, like, I remember uh, there was a time where, and I heard this from people, like, sort of in the know, like, like it's something that was kind of spreading and maybe you know about it too, about this so-called meeting where these elites decided they were going to take hip hop and use it to steer, you know, minorities, particularly Latinos and blacks to jail. So there was like this sort of thing, this deal going on with the prison system, the music industry, the pharmaceutical industry. That Were you hearing any rumblings of that? Like when the culture um, started to change? When when I was younger, man, I just knew that there was a shift and I was very confused as to why the shift happened. I wasn't really keen on what was going on. I just knew that something happened. And as years progressed later on in the future, things started to make sense to me as I started to develop a deeper understanding of our social structure and our society and what is being weaponized against us culturally. So when I started to dabble in that um, side of things, that's when that door opened and the understanding of that meeting came forth because it all started with gangster rap, right? Once gangster rap became prevalent and once, you know, everybody started to notice that, you know, gangster rap was very controversial that's when things started to shift in a very political um, 
perspective because now you had NWA on Channel News 10 and you had them on, on the radio and people were protesting against their music and they were saying that it was poison to the community and this, that, and the third, right? And a lot of the things that came from gangster rap wasn't because they wanted to create that type of music. It was because it was manufactured by a psyop that was created to really destroy the infrastructure of a community of a people to really create um, a distraction and a division amongst a certain population. And they used crime and riots and all this stuff that they created, mind you, to their advantage to weaponize against the community of people that were making that type of music. Damn, dude. And and basically what you're saying, because what you know, if you know the hip the, the history of hip hop, hip hop came out of the gang culture because they wanted to stop fighting amongst each other. Like this is in New York. They 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 formed this truce amongst the gangs in the South Bronx, and that's how the hip hop culture created. And then like this these elites decided, let's bring it right back, let's bring that gang shit back. So so it kind of went from the gang out of the gang and now right back into the gang, which is bugged out, man. Well, when um, you think when you think about it, um the music industry is controlled by multi-million dollar uh conglomerates and, and people that don't have your best interest in mind, realistically. You know what I'm saying? Like the people that run the machine come from a line of of control of manipulation and, and basically they figured out a way to keep people enslaved without the shackles and chains so after you know the real racist shit was fucking all over with and there was you know equality and things like that the white man still figured out a way to enslave black people. And they did that through music. Right. So they dangled a little carrot in front of them, told them to dance, told them they'd give them some money, things like that. And that's what they went after. They went after the money because they knew like, yo, fuck it. Let's get out of the hood. Let's fucking make music and make money. But not knowing that they really sold their soul to the devil, to the machine, to the corporations, because now you know, they were getting investments, they were getting loans, they were not owning their masters, they were not owning their publishing. So they were still, you know, getting little pats in the back here and there. Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna put you on tour, we're gonna, we're gonna distribute your music. But then later on, they get hit with the bill, because their video cost a million dollars, and they didn't have the loot. So they had to get a loan for it. Or they had to get so many CDs pressed up, and they didn't have the money for it. So they had to get a loan. So basically, they still figured out a way to keep people oppressed sonically and musically. So they still had a mindset of oppression, but now through music, through a vibration, because if you remember anything about the devil, the devil is the master of music. So the devil simply used his tool of music to further enslave the masses and further enslave a community. And like I said, when they weaponized music back then, it, it was game over because now they figured out how to entice people, how to create a narrative. 
you know, when they created this gang culture narrative, even till this day, I mean, music is not anything positive when we're talking about what is in rap music. Okay. We're talking about self-destruction. We're talking about prostitution. We're talking about, um, you know, egotistical um, perspectives of materialistic objects and things of that nature. So it is just all very tainted. It's all very negative and it's all very low vibrational. And they did this on purpose because the music industry has the power to release a narrative wherever it may be, the radio, TV, um, you know, ads, things like that. But they choose to keep the people oppressed. They choose to use oppression. They choose to use things of negative connotation to make people hate each other, to make people hate themselves and to make people lustful creatures, to lust for women, to lust for money, to lust for cars. So those are all very low vibrational characteristic traits. And a lot of people fall victim to that because they want to be famous, you know? So a lot of people subconsciously are already selling their soul. A lot of people are willing to sacrifice their entire spirit, their entire divination, just to get a piece of that, just to have that clout that, that people on TV have. So basically, like I said, they, they start to spiritually, subconsciously enslave the consumer, enslave the artist. So the cycle of slavery continues, but now it's sonically. Now it's through through musical oppression. Right. Yeah. I remember when I was when I first started watching like Yo MTV raps and like Rap City and you had like the native tongues and they were all about this pro-black Africa stuff and it was all positive. And then out of no, when it started to to start to catch on, all of a sudden, boom, NWA, boom, hits, hits. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And then, then after NWA, then you start getting all these other gangster rap, and it's kind of like they they saw the fire and they put it out like, bam, done. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you think about like Sugar Hill Gang and uh, you know other uh, Planet Rock and other stuff that was out there, you know, it was positive. For the most part, it was all about dance and positivity, but they still reflected upon what was going on in their community. They were still reflecting upon poverty. They were still reflecting upon, um, you know, being uh, in a society that, uh, you know, was just tough to live in, you know, inner city struggles and things of that nature. So they still brought light to that. But at the end of the day, their message was still like, music will take you higher. Like music is the answer. Music is elevation. You know, you had Public Enemy um, that came after Sugar Hill Gang and Planet Rock and all, all that other old school hip hop that, you know, kind of de like developed a positive aspect out of all that. And, you know, just like you said, they were on that fight the power shit. They were really trying to spread truth to it. And then, you know, once they realized that that message could change the hearts and the minds of the masses, once music became pigeonholed, held into a product. And once they figured out like, oh, we can market music and make money off this. So the people, these multimillionaires are like, okay, fuck it. We can make money off it. Oh my God, dude, we can totally create a different narrative and we can control the minds of the masses and we can create diversity and struggle and we can brainwash people and manipulate them and we can create an inner war in the city. Oh my God, dude, let's, let's fucking do this. All right, well, hell yeah. I'm gonna fuck, I got this artist, such and such. He's decent. 
I mean, I don't really fuck with them, but I think we can manipulate them, polish them up, and then we can give them a script and he can go out there and fucking, we can polish them up and, and get them to do all this shit and say all this shit. And, and then that way we'll blow them up into the next number one selling hit artist. And we can do that to thousands and thousands of artists. And we can continue to create this narrative to keep people in a low vibrational state of mind to oppress people and keep them dumb as fuck and not figuring out what their higher self is all about. What do you Who think they really are? Right. Who, who, what do you think the agenda is for these people that are making these decisions? Ultimately, ultimately is to keep people unaware of their true divine self, to keep people enslaved in a very docile, complacent mindset, to keep people imprisoned within a lustful, negative perspective of how they view life, to keep them yearning and chasing the dollar, the almighty dollar. And it's all about material. It's all about material possession. In the kingdom of heaven, there is no material possession. So that is a satanic, demonic thing to worship material. So who runs this fucking world? The demons, the devils, the, 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 the parasites of this fucking earth that are feasting off your energy, that are taking your fucking soul. So the goal is to keep us in a very low vibrational state of being, to keep us oppressed, to keep us envying the next man to keep us you know hating on somebody else and to keep us really out here mentally struggling you know there's a war going on outside no man is safe from you Word know up. and it's just like that war is a spiritual war that's why they say no man is safe from everybody is undergoing a spiritual attack right now on all fronts and back then they, like I said, they weaponized music and they figured out how to cast a gigantic magnetic net over everybody that was into that niche. It's all marketing, dude. That's all it is. At the end of the day, you have to look at world domination as one giant marketing campaign. And they figured out a campaign and a marketing technique to enslave the fucking planet and turn every fucking human being in here into a product, into a number, into a consumer. So do you think like, because I, I feel like this, Tell me, and if I'm wrong, you could correct me. It's all good. But I feel like us being part of that underground, that raw underground scene protected us from that shit. Oh, absolutely. And it taught us to the point where we're, we think differently than I, like, I can't, like at my job, for instance, I can't build with other people at my job. They're on a different level. I can't fuck with them, man. Mm -hmm. Can't talk about anything with them because they, they're on a different level. And I think it's because of coming up in that underground shit. Yeah, um, absolutely. I like I used to have this saying back in the day, uh, you know, with people that shared similar interests and listen to the same music, I would say we are cut from the same cloth. And back then it was like it was like some real Knights of Templar type shit. It was like, <laughs> yeah. it was like you're a Jedi, we're a Jedi, because back then it was like underground hip hop heads were the first conspiracy theorists. Like underground hip hops were the first people to expose shit that was happening with um you know the new world order i mean come on new world order nobody knew about that shit and my motherfuckers were rapping about that 20 years ago 30 years ago right right so underground right. hip-hop heads were the first motherfuckers to pop off on this conspiracy theory shit aliens who the fuck was talking about aliens besides nerdy ass old white people or fucking weird fucking heads out in roswell or some shit like <laughs> motherfucking rappers were talking about that cool keith um delta yeah. 30 you know what yeah. I'm saying? So there was like underground heads were the first conspiracy theorists. And I think you're right. It did 
it, it opened up our third eye, you know? So we're listening to music that cultivated um, an understanding of what really was popping off in the world. You know what I'm saying? Because underground hip hop heads, not only were they conspiracy theorists, so to speak, but we were also spiritualist. We were yogis. We were people that had a deep understanding of life, religion, um, scripture. So we were already so heavily immersed into the music that we just went inward. A lot of people that loved music back then went inward and developed an understanding of self. And a lot of music taught that, you know what I'm knowledge saying? Knowledge of self. A lot of music taught that, you know, knowledge of self was the most important essential element that you had to apply to just being an everyday dude and applying that to your music. Because like I said, you know, somebody that, that put me on game with just a deeper understanding of life and things like that was Guru. Gangstar, rest in peace. You know what I'm saying? Like RIP, man. Knowledge, knowledge itself, you know what I'm saying? So um, I think that, you know, the cats that did grow up in that timeline definitely developed an understanding um, of what things really are. And um, even if we did kind of stray away from that ideology and that thinking and, you know, everybody had a nine to five or partying and, and you know, getting reckless and shit like that. Everything comes back full circle, just like bell bottoms. Every, everything comes back. So now that type of thinking is starting to resonate again with people like us. But now we have a platform. Now we got podcasts. Now we got radio stations. Now we got, you know, people on the fucking news talking about that shit. We got social media. Everybody's sharing information. So now the underground heads that, you know, made music and dabbled with this shit. Now we're like, okay, it's our time to shine, baby. Let's fucking wake up the heads. Let's wake up the minds of the masses. Let's fucking let's let's cultivate a resistance and let's bring it to the doorstep because there is a war on America right now. There's a war on the world. There's a war going on against humanity and it's time to wake the fuck up. Damn, man. Damn. Shit. I'm probably going to sample what you just said, man. <laughs> All right. So let's shift gears a little bit. We're not really shift gears because everything's really blending into other things. Let's get into like your paranormal experiences, man. I know you've had a, a few, but can you give me some of your profound ones? Like, like shit you've been oh, through? Oh man, such a lot. So many, man. So many. And um, like I said. Um, okay. So up. check this out. How about that? Okay. So. You've seen shit like UFOs, I, I would imagine, yes? Absolutely, yeah. What What about like cryptids and shit like Bigfoot, you know, Dogman? Um, no, I, I can't say I've really seen anything like that because I wasn't really out there fucking around, backpacking in the woods and shit. Like that. <laughs> you know, I was like, nah, man. Like, I've seen way too many scary movies to be out there fucking wandering around, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, nah, I'm good. So what about like... I don't know, demonic shit, spirits, shit um, like that. So growing up um, around- Shadow people. Yeah, know. okay, so, so check this out. I'll put it to you like okay. this. So in ninth grade, I mean, junior high, ninth grade, like I said, you're into music, you're into hip hop, you already start to, you know, dabble into knowledge itself, right? You, you're, you, you know, about aliens and all this other weird shit and things like that. And, and growing up as a youth, you know, you're- you have it tough, you know what I'm saying? So you going through shit and, you know, you, you asking, is there a God? Why, why did God do this to me? You know, whatever, whatever, you know, the, you know, you know, the story, you know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So, um, 
I actually, uh, you know, was a kid doing mushrooms, doing acid, experimenting with every goddamn drug in the book, doing doing all kinds of wild, reckless shit. Um, there came a point in time in my my early high school days where um, one of my teachers ended up becoming a spiritual guide of mine. And she was actually um, a teacher that taught yoga. She was a yogi and um, she never pushed this lifestyle on anybody. I mean, we would, I think Fridays we would do yoga as a class. And um, that's, that's when I kind of was like, yo, this, this shit's wild. You know what I'm saying? So she had a bunch of books that I would borrow from her from time to time. And um, that's when I kind of started to tap into the spiritual and the, and, and the metaphysical and, and meditation and things like that. So, um, you know, growing up, I was always conflicted with so many things in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like I always felt some type of way about a lot of things that, you know, made me upset or made me emotional or, or things about my life that like just didn't sit well with me. So I always, you know, I was always trying to figure out how to, how to get over that. So I'd meditate, do things like that. But um, growing up, I used to always have some sort of connection to angels, to ghosts, to spirits, to elementals. I mean, I remember um, my mom, you know, I think I always, everybody has this ability, bro. You know, I'm not special. I'm not right. different from anybody else. Every, we are divine creatures. We are celestial beings inside of a terrestrial planet. So we all have these gifts. It's just that. You probably, are, you're probably able to access it more than let's say someone like me. That's probably. I, I, I was just very clairvoyant from the jump out of mm -hmm, early mm -hmm. even when even when I was a baby like there was a story of, of my mom she walked into my room I don't know I was a baby like probably like four years old and I, she said she caught me talking to a corner of the wall like looking up talking and she's like you know who are you talking to mijo and I was like oh an angel she's like what an angel and she's like what is she you know what does the angel look like and I'm describing this like giant like angel with like big wings golden slippers long gold hair, just like emulating in these like beautiful colors and stuff like that. So I think I always had that gift in me to, to just be able to tap into that spiritual aspect of my life and be able to utilize it or see things, you know, like growing up, like I said, when I was, you know, a child living with my mother in my teenage days in high school, like my house was a hub for spiritual activity. And, and for some reason, it was only me that saw it. Like my bro little brother never saw shit. My mom never saw shit or anything that she cared to talk about. But, um, you know, there was times where um, I would see like legit phantoms like manifest right before my very eyes in my room. Yeah. So there would be times where portals would open up in my room. And like, have you ever seen... Um, Obviously, you've seen the predator, right? Right. So you know when the predator goes invisible, you can't really see the predator. It's Dude. just like that invisible cloaking. You know what I'm okay, saying? Okay, you tell me your shit. I'm gonna tell you because I know exactly what you're talking about. Go ahead, go ahead. So, so I, like you know, and, and it's funny because I try to sleep all the time, and and every time I would see something, something would tell me to wake up. So I'm sleeping, you know, something tells me to wake up, and I look at my door, and I see this like circle and it looks like the orb of the predator like like a cloaky type thing and it fucking starts to open up and i see like these hands open up out of this portal 
And it's this fucking just like shadow figure coming out of the portal, like coming towards me to try Fuck to that. like grab me. So I fucking I jumped up and just like try to fucking hit it. And I just went right through it. So I would always like be alert to like what I would saw. Like, for instance, another time um, I was getting ready to go to a party and, uh, you know, I'm like grabbing all my shit. I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll meet you outside telling my homies and shit. And I had a flip phone back then. And I, I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot my phone. So I went back, grabbed my phone, opened my phone up. And it was like a like a Nokia flip phone or some shit like that. And, and the screen was green. So a green orb comes out of my phone, bounces off my chest, starts bouncing all over the fucking room, bounces off the fucking mirror, then bounces back into the phone. And I'm sober at the time. I'm like, yo, what the fuck? And I'm like, that's a trip. And I just fucking like put my phone in my pocket. So later on, we're out wilding out, things like that. We, I come back to my pad and I'm getting ready to, you know, crash. My buddy's getting ready to crash on the couch because we are faded. So I'm asleep. And then I wake up. That same green orb bounces off my walls, bounces off a mirror, and then starts coming towards me. And it manifested into like almost like a banshee type being. Like, like I saw these hands like manifest into like, you know, uh, it was almost like a hologram. It looked like right. a hologram. Like I see these hands manifest first and then this face and then this just like long fucking hair and it's just like angry and it's just like coming towards me and I'm just kicking the fuck out of it. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? And then my phone rings and like my heart's racing and I'm like, oh shit. And I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello? And it's like some homegirl. She's like, hey, I'm outside of your pad. Cruise out. Let's go kick it. I'm like, all right, bet. Yeah, I'll be right there. Like, yeah, get, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, just a lot of shit. I've seen a lot of ghosts, man. A lot of entities. Um, you know, I read this book called The Secret Life of, of Plant and Man. And I used to meditate and communicate with plants and shit like that. And one time I went into a meditational trance without protection, which you never should do. You should can, always- can you can you go into that? Like, what do you mean by like protection? Like, so if you're going to go into a meditational trance, if you're going to go into the astral realm, you have to surround yourself in white light. You have to say a prayer of good faith, of protection, put on the armor of God and protect yourself with, with white light. Because if you don't, then you're leaving your vessel open for all types of creepy shit to fucking enter your body. Oh shit. Possession. So yeah, possession. So I didn't do that one time. And uh, I'm out showing my buddy these tricks. I'm showing him that I could make plants move. So we had just gotten back from a party and I was drinking. You should never meditate and drink. That's a no, no, never do that. So I was, you know, I'm, I'm a kid. I'm reading this book. I'm getting all types of crazy knowledge about plants and meditation. So back then, um, I, I was able to make plants move by meditating and hovering my hand over plants. So if you meditate and just, just by taking some breaths in, you can feel the energies of the plant radiating above your hand just by like a foot of it. It's very cold and it's very sharp. You could feel it. So if you put intent into it, you can, you can control a plant and you can make the plant move. So I was doing this one time, um, in my buddy's patio i'm like yo check this out i'm gonna fuck with this plant and it was a fern so you know ferns are long uh branchy leafy type plants and i'm you know again i didn't protect myself i disrespected the art of meditation i disrespected myself and i'm i'm showing my boy that i could do these tricks 
So I'm meditating, I'm putting my hand over this fern and the fern starts wrapping its vine around my finger. Like it was reaching out to me to, you know, to communicate with me. So my buddy's like, like tripping out, right? Like what the fuck? And then all of a sudden we see this black shadow like start bouncing off the walls. It bounced off a tree and then it came inside of me. No oh. homo, no homo. Pause on that. Uh, and then uh, after that- it Entered you, but either way, yeah. either, no matter how you say it, it still sounds fucked <laughs> yeah, up. <laughs> yeah. so, so after that, bro, I fucking got up and I was just like, I felt so fucking sick, so nauseous, so cold and alone and just isolated. I didn't feel like me. I ran straight to the bathroom and started puking started fucking shaking and just fucking tripping the fuck out. And then my boy was just like, dude, what the fuck was that? My buddy witnessed that shit happen to me and he was frightened. He's all, dude, stop that shit. Stop that demonic shit. Like, don't fuck with that. And I was like, sick, bro. I was like puking. And then like, it's, I just started praying, you know, I fucked up. So I started praying to God you know, I started saying in the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and savior, like I rebuke all demonic energy in me and around me, like, get the, you're not fucking welcome here. You know what I mean? So like after like an hour, like it left and I just like was just fucking drained. So yeah, I've had some, some paranormal shit happen to me. A lot of ghost shit, a lot of stories, man. I could, it would probably be another hour, but you know, that's fine. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm down. That's what this is for, dude. Um, So let's talk about like, I know you've seen shit in the sky. Like what? Tell me some stories or some yeah, shit. Yeah, so I used to uh, just see a lot of UFOs, man, back in the day, you know, and um, they they took shape in a lot of different ways. So there'd be some like where I would see when uh, the sun was about to set, that would just be golden orbs. Just like, you know, when you look at a light and it's just fucking gold as fuck, it's just shining, it's luminous. That's what these things would look like. And they would just just be blinking through the sky damn moving super slow and then they would just it it looked like the sky like literally grabbed it and snatched it and the sky snapped back and it was just gone like it just got sucked into the sky you know what i'm saying so um there'd be times where like I, you know i was telling uh eddie uh fourth of july um i would always see this ufo emulate the color structure of fireworks what? So, yeah. So there'd be, there'd be times where, um, you know, the fireworks were over. I'm out partying with my friends, whatever, cruising back, uh, home late, you know, one, 2 AM. And I would see like, you know, fireworks lit up in the sky. I'm like, damn, fools are still lighting off fireworks, but they would go into the sky and the colors that emulated fireworks would stay there. So it would blast off like a firework. It would stay there. And then it would come back and it would start moving its lights around and then it would like expand and then it would just fucking disappear. So whatever these objects were, were emulating the color sequence of, of fireworks. And um, it was a trip to see. I saw that a few times. And then above my house, um, I witnessed a UFO with uh, a few of my buddies. That was uh, another gold orb, just an orb. And it would drop liquid fucking orbs into the atmosphere. So it would it would just be like a, a, a orb, and then like one orb would pop up, and then another orb, and then another orb, and then from the bottom of it, it would just be like melting liquid orbs. 
And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is that? Just real weird shit, man. You know what I'm saying? So um, there's been there's been a lot of occasions where I've seen a lot of different, uh, you know, type of unidentified objects, so to speak. You know what I mean? So they 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 take a lot of different uh, shapes and sizes and a lot of different forms. You know what I mean? So it's it's strange stuff. Do you feel like maybe there's a connection with you in those things that they're showing themselves to you? I mean, I think anybody that is in tune with their higher self that is in tune into a certain vibration and frequency can see them because they're here all the time. You know what I mean? Like whether it's something that we created or not, Anyone that is that has knowledge of self and is doing the work, is doing meditation, is just vibrating at a higher energy, we are already shifting into a different dimension. And the times that people are allowed to see ghosts or allowed to see these quote unquote spacecrafts and aliens is we're starting to vibrate at a frequency, at a vibration where they come to light. And it may not be full light, but we can see them a little bit or they might vibrate in, in our earthly vibration to the point where we actually can see them. Right. And what's happening right now is there's a great shift happening. There's a great awakening happening. Everybody is starting to collectively vibrate at a higher frequency, at a higher vibration. So the reason why there's so, so many sightings of so many things is because collectively as a, as a human race, we're vibrating at a higher consciousness now. So, you know, even when you see these people on the news and you see these politicians where they're looking kind of suspect, they're looking kind of, you know, scaly, they're looking kind of, yeah. they're looking kind of reptilian. Yeah. The reason that we could see this now is because we're vibrating at a higher consciousness. So their facade is starting to basically, kind of, it, it's starting to fade a little bit and, yeah. and it's hard for them to keep control of their, figure so to speak but a lot of times too there's they're getting so blatantly disrespectful with everything that um they want to be seen because the cat's been out of the bag since 2012 so they already know that you know it, it, it's 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 their time to shine so they they don't care anymore who fucking sees what right you know what 2012 what what for those who don't know, what 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 incident or incidents are you talking about? So 2012 was basically like the uh, unveiling of the New World Order ceremony. So uh, they had a Olympic ceremony in 2012 that basically depicted um, the New World Order and their celebration and basically their... Um, it was like their coming out party. So 2012 was their coming out party. And that's when things started to, you know, come to light where, you know, they were making fun of these uh, Illuminati Taco Bell commercials and all these other, you know, silly things and the Simpsons and things like that of the occult. So 2012 was their public um, display of letting people know that they are here and that, you know, they are the true rulers of this kingdom. So are, are do you believe that alien that they're that they're aliens? Okay, so do you believe like for instance like there's aliens they live amongst us? Then you have like this reptilian race. You think there's a bunch of different like entities all working an angle 
and some either hook up with each other, like, yo, let's do this and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Um, Am I not clear? I don't know if I'm... No, no, you're, you're definitely clear. I think um, that our world is definitely imprisoned by something not of this earth. And I think it is very evil. I think it is very dark. I think it's very demonic. And I think it is from... Um, you know, outer dimensional beings that are really controlling this planet and enslaving us as a human race to do their bidding. And um, we can we can touch base a little bit on that, maybe on another episode. But I think um, for the most part, um, anyone that has such a disdain for humanity where they are completely destroying us on all fronts right now with the chemicals they're dumping on us from geoengineering, from the chemicals that they're putting into our food, from the destruction of livestock, from the destruction of farms to the genetic altering of our DNA through quote unquote vaccines, um, through this division, through race war, through sex wars, um, through information wars, does not love being a human being. Like, you cannot claim to be a human being and have such a fucking disdain for humanity where you want to fucking kill off half the population. Right. So I think the more and more we kind of start to think about that concept and wrap our head around it, you're going to really start to make sense of it and be like, okay, like, yeah, there's something out there that's really fucking with us, bro, and keeping us on a low vibrational plane because, I mean, I don't give a fuck how much I hate somebody, right? Like, yeah, granted, I might want to catch a fade or, you know, make sure homeboy, you know, gets the point that I don't like him and, and some yeah. shit like that. But to really be like, I'm going to fucking kill him. I'm going to kill his children. And I'm going to make sure his children never have children. And I'm just going to make sure his entire fucking bloodline ceases to exist. I mean, to have that type of diabolical sociopath type of disdain for humanity is is ungodly and it's not of this world, man. It's 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 foreign to this planet, bro. Damn, man. Shit, that was dope. Um, I'm definitely gonna have you back on. But before we we I'm gonna ask you a couple more things. One is what books and or videos like are very profound to you concerning this topic so to speak okay okay that's, that stand um, out i mean uh when it comes to books uh i'd have to say um prison planet um by alex jones and his documentary prison planet was pretty crazy um david ike created something uh, a book on um, multi-dimensional beings and things of that nature, um, breaking down uh, all the different um, destinies and dimensions that are in this planet and things like that with the archons and all types of other stuff that's going on. So, I mean, there's so many stuff that I'd have to dig up. I've never been um, somebody too studious to the point to really collect a lot of books um, and, and kind of have a collection of things. I read something and then I bless somebody with that book. So if I finish a book, I'll give it to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? So I've read so many books that off the top, you know, I can't really recollect on a specific right. title. If I read something, I bless somebody with that book. Right. Like, read it, bro. You know, make sure you read it. So 
I've always been a minimalist and really don't like clutter because clutter carries a lot of energy, unwanted energy that I don't like. But I mean, there's just, there's an, a, there's a plethora of information out there that I've always just dabbled in um, to, you know, really kind of be up on game with, with, with things that are going on in this world. And, uh, you know, we're living in such a strange time and uh, an informative time that uh, literally you don't got to go that far to, to do some research and to dig up some, some interesting things. Yeah, it's kind of crazy that we have like this, you know, computer, but people don't use it the right way, you know what I mean, to find the truth. Um, next question, uh, psychedelics. Yes, mm -hmm. no, maybe. Like, is it good uh, for people? It, I think it definitely is. I think uh, it can help. But at the same time, like, you got to make peace with yourself. You got to make peace with your demons. You got to make peace with your higher self. Because... If you're somebody that bugs out on a couple hits of some weed, you you ain't gonna last in in the psychedelic kingdom. You ain't gonna last in, in a in a hallucinogenic spiritual world because if you can't make peace with yourself and harness that energy and utilize it to your greater good to allow you to see parts of yourself that need to be fixed or allow you to see the world for what it is, you're not gonna have a great time. I do believe that. They do have very beautiful attributes to them that can help people. Like for instance, people are starting to microdose, um, you know, mushrooms now for depression and cognitive ability and things like that. So, you know, that's very good. But like I said, um, everything with moderation, man. And I, I do think that they, they, that they do have its benefits, but, you know, just make sure that you're good inside because if you're not, man, like you're, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. I, I, for the past few years, I've had like this calling to do psychedelics i just don't know where to start you know what i, I mean I, just don't know where. I think mushrooms would be your best bet because um at the end of the day mushrooms are from the earth they are the most natural hallucinogenic um you know thing that you could take that won't have too much of a false impact on your mind you know what i mean because at the end of the day it's just natural grown bacteria and fungus that open up the gateways and open up your third eye for you to be able to experience things. Right. And I would start small, you know, like if you do have the ability to, to get your hands on some, I would start very small, um, you know, a couple caps, some stems, something very small. So you want to slowly introduce the bacteria into your body. You don't want to just be like, oh, I'm going to take a handful of these motherfuckers and right. watch, you know, the wall or some shit <laughs> and watch fucking some crazy ass movie, you know, like with, with every substance, you have to respect it. If it has a mind altering capability, respect the substance, man. You know, yeah. and, if, and if you put forth the intent and protect yourself in white light, always remember to protect yourself in white light, you know, say a prayer, put on the armor of God, protect yourself and just respect it and just say, you know, teach me what you need to teach me. Show me what I need to know. Word up. And respect right. it. That's dope, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Cause I, I know I've been feeling like I need it. I just have these thoughts of wanting to do it. I just don't know where to start. I have to find somebody that I trust. And then is that something where I would need somebody to be with me or that's something? Nah, that man. I mean, you're not doing an ayahuasca trip. You're not, right. you know, you ain't going to some shamans and doing some, some wild shit, you know, like you can legit just be at your crib 
make sure your schedule's clear. Make sure you, you ain't got no kids around. Make sure you have the house to yourself or whatever. Make sure, you know, you sage your crib, light some incense. You know, you might, you know, have a smoothie or something like that and just, you know, tap into your creative space, you know, make some music, watch a movie, bump some music in the background and just let it take its course and let right. it introduce itself to you. Let it communicate to you because it will communicate with you. You just have to listen and just don't get scared because you're, you're being scared. is just a reflection of your fear because we all have deep subconscious fear embedded within us. But if you allow it, that fear to take over, you're not going to learn what you need to learn. So if you really address the fear and take the fear head on and go, okay, I understand that my upbringing wasn't that best, or I'm ready to make peace with this certain part of my life so I can move on. Like you can really heal from certain traumatic situations if you just allow yourself to and respect it. Like I said, first and foremost, respect it and just, you know, treat it you know, with the utmost uh, respect, man, you should be good. All right. When it comes to your production, how would you describe your production style? Uh, my production style is is traditional, classic boom bap hip hop with the modern twist of, you know, what's going on in today's day and age uh, sonically. So, you know, I, I, I love the boom bap golden age era, but also I modernize it with, you know, my own little spice, my own little, you know, ingredients to to make somebody um from you know that era admire it and appreciate it but also make somebody that's new into making music also respect it too and and can see themselves doing something doing as well yeah when you were on eddie's show he had talked about hearing you on this compilation called collective culture i think i yeah. believe Mm -hmm. And so after I heard that interview, I went and dug, I found it. So I have it now. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's so, so old, man. I, I was a kid. I was a kid. When I, know. I, I know, but you were nasty though. But check this out though. Um, if people wanted to find maybe some of your older material and even some of your newer material, where, where can they go? It, does yeah, it exist, so your older stuff? So yeah, you can find a lot of my older stuff on YouTube under the alias of Mighty Moses. Okay. And uh, you'll see, uh, you know, random tracks. You'll see a music video that I did. Um, it's a movie, by the way. So uh, okay. when, you, when you get a chance. Um, and then, um, yeah, Mighty Moses on YouTube. And then you can find me on Instagram um, at Push Button Beats. That's where I post the majority of my instrumental content. And uh, I'm just looking forward to... Um, really branching out and, and getting myself out there more instead of hoarding my music a lot. Because um, what I tend to do is I put my music in the ears of people that want to buy music as opposed to listen to it. So that's kind of always been my aim in the last four years is right. making music, but making it for paying clients and paying customers. But um I want to change that. And I want people to really enjoy my music. I want to stop being a perfectionist because like I said, that is something that, that keeps us back and holds us down. So I just want to be able to, to leave something um, behind man and, and put something out there that I created on a vibrational level that, that will, you know, be here for as long as the internet's around man. And, and, you know, just have it out there. All right, my brother. So what are you working on now and what do you have planned in the future? Anything projects, 
Yeah, so I got um I'm sitting on a few beat tapes right now. I'm getting ready to release. So I'm finally gonna, you know, put some music out there um instrumentally on all streaming platforms. I'm getting ready to to hit YouTube hard. I'm getting ready to put these projects out on Spotify, SoundCloud, things of that nature. And then um I'm also working with a artist called Obnoxious from San Diego right now that's picking up a lot of momentum. Um that just put out a project with Mad Child. He's working with Evidence, DJ Muggs. He's working with Sick Jackin. So he's somebody in the community right now that's really making noise. I've already uh, produced uh, quite a few records for him. So we're getting right. ready to, to work on an EP um, this spring and then, uh, you know, crush that. So, you know, right. I, got, I got a few things in the mix, man, that I'll keep you, uh, you know, posted with. And, and yeah, kind of please. Stuff like that. All right, my man, dude. It, it's awesome meeting you. Uh, it was a pleasure yeah, actually pleasure. to meet you. Yeah, pleasure, man. Pleasure. Want to stay uh, in contact and have you back on. Um, yeah, and wish you nothing but the best, brother. Okay. Hey, likewise, brother. Uh, appreciate talking to you. Thanks for having me on. It's always a beautiful thing to be able to communicate with somebody that has similar interest and you know someone that I I could call a friend in the future. And uh, look, I look forward to you know conversing some more with you and maybe i could interview you one of these days man because i am getting ready Anytime. to maybe launch a podcast yeah. here uh this summer so uh once i do i'll definitely uh have you on board man yeah if you need help let me know i, I got you on whatever you need man and, and wh where's this going to be on exactly okay so i have it on youtube i have it on BitChute. Oh, you good. said you want to be on spotify right yeah all right if you sign up for anchor mm -hmm. it gives you spotify for free Automatically oh, oh, oh. uploads your stuff for free, so I, I'm gonna awesome. put you on Anchor, which puts which will put you on on Spotify. Sweet, yeah, I'm on I'm on Bitshoot 24 seven, man. So. Yeah, Bitshoot's dope. <laughs> shout out that, to that. That's one, what bro. YouTube should be right now, <laughs> yeah. but you know. <laughs> shout out to Bitshoot, man. Definitely. All right, brother. So stay All up, right, brother. Yeah, stay up. Salute, homie, and uh, much much love and respect, fam. Oh, send me a a pic that you're satisfied with, so I could put it into the thumbnail, and okay. then. Email me or not email me, but send me like any links, anything that you want people to go to. Got All you. Right? Okay. Got All you, right. homie. Yeah, bless, stay up. Brother. Yeah, bless. Yeah.